I would ask that you join me in Philippians chapter 3. If you have a copy of the scriptures, if you can access the scriptures in some way, if you would join me in Philippians chapter 3, we have a little bit of a different time together in the scriptures today. I'm not the only one that you will listen to during the message time today. I've invited some friends. I've invited some wonderful friends who are actually going to share some testimonies organically to my sermon. So after point one, I'm going to call one of them forward and they're going to share a story about their own life that is relevant to the sermon. And then for point two and for point three as well, and all the way to point ten, Just three this morning, okay? Just three. Uh, Your ham is not going to burn, ladies, okay? Just three. If you are one of our guests this morning or a spouse to one of the guests, would you just stand, please? Everyone who's here with me today that that I've invited to be here special today. Pastor John and Sue, where are you? Let's welcome them, please. Thank you. Thank you. You are all among family and friends today, and this is a safe place for all of us to be as we rejoice in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I hope that you will receive the words that will be spoken today to be an encouragement to you, no matter where you are in your life today, and that God will just do his work in our hearts as we listen to his word and to his people today. I'm in Philippians chapter 3. Go to verse number 7 with me. Verse number 7 down to verse 11. That's our text today. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Paul's referring to his past. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. There was Paul's present. Be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and here's Paul's future, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. We're going to talk about the past, we're going to talk about the present, and we're going to talk about the future today from this text, and my friends are going to help me tell that wonderful story of grace. Easter says that you can put truth in a grave, but it won't stay there. You can nail it to a cross, wrap it in winding sheets, and shut it up in a tomb, but it will rise. And because of that, we must all live in the awareness that Christ lives and that he lives in his people. Those that will be sharing testimonies today are going to testify to that wonderful presence of Jesus in their lives. We're doing this today because so few people seem to realize that the resurrection of Jesus is the cornerstone to a worldview 
that provides the perspective to all of life. All of life, our past, our present, and our future. Because Jesus is alive, he can be unquestionably, all-powerfully, and eternally everything that I need for my past, my present, and my future. And because of that, we want to study this from Philippians chapter 3. The first thing that I want us to see about Jesus in the resurrection power as I put my trust in him and his finished work on the cross, and because he is alive, he has the power, first of all, to cancel my past. How many of you are thankful that your past is canceled in Jesus? You don't have to raise your hands. Make some noise. Make some noise. It, it would do some of you some good to make some noise. Amen. He cancels my past. It doesn't matter what it is. Jesus died to pay the penalty of my sin, and he lives to ever plead my case before the Father. He is our advocate or attorney before God. And while all of his clients are guilty, he has never lost a case. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1 says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate. We have a lawyer. We have an attorney with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. It is his righteousness that is in our place that was transferred to our account. And if we do sin after being recipients of his grace and salvation, we know that he is not going to cast us out of our presence because everything done in our past has been canceled through Jesus Christ as he died on the cross, paid the penalty for our sin, and as we accept him as our Savior. Our past is truly canceled. Paul was talking about it here in the text as well. If he wasn't alive, we would have no advocate. And our past would continually haunt and enslave us. And I just want to say that to all of my friends who are here, whether I invited you here or not today. If you're here and you're, you're one of our guests, it doesn't matter what's in your past. It doesn't have to haunt you and enslave you because Jesus paid the price for your past and he is your advocate and there is true forgiveness in him. Amen. Because of Jesus, the chains of our past are gone We've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed us. And like a flood, his mercy reigns. Unending love, amazing grace. Good or bad, our past needs canceling. I hope we all understand that today. It doesn't matter what is in your past, whether you see it as a pile of good works or a pile of gross sins against God, all of it needs canceling because all of it is insufficient to save your soul. For Paul, his past was trying to earn God's grace through legalism, keeping the law. For others, their past is full of sin and law-breaking. Either way, we are all damned to hell without Jesus and his cancellation of our past. With that, I want to invite Jonathan uh, here to the pulpit. Jonathan's one of my friends. Let's welcome Jonathan. Can we do that today? 
I love you. Jonathan's going to speak to the fact that Jesus' power in the resurrection cancels our past. Take it away, Jonathan. Thank you, Pastor Mark. Before I begin sharing my testimony, it's important for you to know that everything in my past wasn't bad and that I'm very thankful for the wonderful people, experiences, and memories that God has blessed me with. I wasn't raised in a Christian home and my father was absent. I yearned for a father who would spend time with me, teach me, share his emotions with me, love me, care for me, and delight in me. Why wasn't my father there? Did he not love me? Was there something wrong with me? There must be something wrong with me or he would be there. I must be unlovable. This became what I believed about myself at a very young age. As a child, I was also exposed to pornography. My cousins were being sexually abused, and what was being done to them was shared and experienced with me through unhealthy sexual behavior. Thirdly, there was a lack of genuine healthy intimacy in my home growing up. My stepdad was a surface-level only, emotionally closed-off person who handled most things with anger. My mom had been wounded in the past and didn't know how to set the example for us as children. The unspoken rule in our home was we don't talk about things. And my parents mostly turned to marijuana as a coping mechanism. These ingredients resulted in a boy about to hit puberty who was over-sexualized, starving for intimacy, hurting deeply on an emotional level, so desperate for love that he was willing to do just about anything for it, a strong inclination towards addiction, without the language or ability to speak about any of it, and instead using anger as the only way to, he knew how to express himself. This was me. Once I hit puberty, my mind and imaginations were consistently and totally dominated by sexual thoughts and desires. Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 and 6 says, The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry that he had ever made them and put them on the earth, and it broke his heart. To be certain, I indulged in my fantasies and self-pleasure, but at the same time, it was also like a hell that I couldn't escape from. For when I wanted to lay it down and have a rest from it all, it wouldn't leave me. It broke my heart. I didn't want to be like this. I was the chief of sinners and also the chief of sufferers. Song of Solomon, chapters 2, verse 7, 3, verse 5, and 8, verse 4 says, Promise me not to awaken love until the time is right. Sexual desire and not a healthy one had been awakened in me before the time was right. Maybe God knows what he's talking about, and the Bible really does have all the answers. The next 20 years would be filled with promiscuity, pornography, my first marriage, unfaithfulness in that marriage, and finally in 2014 at age 35, I went to prison for five years. Can Jesus set a person free from all of that? Listen to the words of a popular contemporary Christian song called Yes, He Can by Cain. Did he move every mountain? Did he part every sea? Yes, he did. So yes, he can. Did he defeat the darkness? Did he deliver me? Yes, he did. So yes, he can. So you see the answer is yes, he did. Yes, he can. If Jesus set me from all of that, he can set you free as well. But how, you ask? To be sure, there are a great many details of the story of how Jesus set me free from my past. But today, I want to focus on two major points and then give you an illustration of what Jesus did. 
Point number one, I realized my depravity, and I sought the Lord's help. Pastor Steve Ramish taught me that biblical love was from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I heard this word, believed it, used it to evaluate my life, and concluded that I was failing miserably at loving others. I grieved over how badly I had missed the mark. After my time of grief was over, I was angry. Angry at how much wasted time, words, and effort I had spent all those years. Finally, I was left with a choice to continue as I was or to move in a new direction of biblical love. I repented, turned, and chose to do things God's way. Point number two, after being incarcerated, I quickly decided two things. Number one, that I would keep my mouth shut until I was filled with the truth of God's word. And when I did speak, it would be God's word or words that were able to be backed up by God's word. Proverbs 17, 28 says, even a fool can appear to be wise if he keeps his mouth shut. Though far from perfect, I had done my best to this day to honor that commitment. So you see then that this was the order of things. God helped me realize my depravity and my desperate need for him. I ran to him for help. God provided the help through his word using Pastor Steve. I heard the word, received it by faith, and used it to evaluate myself. God's word exposed everything and laid it bare before me. I was grieved and filled with indignation. God comforted me. I repented, turned, and began walking in God's way. God encouraged, strengthened, and provided for me every step of the way. Now for the illustration. A sign was fastened above him with these words, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? He said, since you're under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he turned to Jesus and said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered and said, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. His past, canceled. My past, canceled. Yours can be canceled too. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Jonathan, for sharing. The second thing that we want to talk about today, it's not just the past that resurrection power deals with because Jesus is alive, but it has an impact and effect on our future. And the Apostle Paul mentions that in our text as well. In fact, it enables and it empowers my present. And so we want to just look here at verses 9 and 10. Can you look at those in the text with me as you're following along? Paul talks about his present. The first part of verse number 9, he says, and be found in him. That is his present. He was found in Christ after his past was taken care of and canceled in Jesus. He now has a new present. He is now in Christ because he doesn't have a righteousness that comes from himself or from the law, but he has a righteousness that's been transferred to him because of faith in Christ. Being found in Christ. What is there? Well, there's salvation from sin, isn't there? Jonathan just testified to that. There's safety. There's security. 
Nothing can penetrate, and we have everything that we need to grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus. Knowing him, as one writer has said, seeing and savoring Jesus to become more like him, to love him, to obey him, and to serve him. That can be the present of everyone whose past is canceled. We can embrace this new life in Christ. Knowing him, the passage talks about that. It talks about knowing Jesus and the resurrection power, the power of his resurrection. What is that a powerful picture of? Well, Many people have written about this and commented on it. I believe it's a beautiful, powerful picture of the new life that we have in Christ of being born again. Because he rose again from the dead. We can have new life just as he experienced life after death. It gives us new life now. Obviously, it also deals with our future as well. Knowing him because of his resurrection. We know him also by participating in his suffering. Did you catch that in our text? I want to know Christ, to know the power of his resurrection in the new life and through the new birth, but I also want to participate in his sufferings. Everyone here this morning can identify with suffering, can't we? Everybody here. You either have suffered or you are suffering, and if you're not, get ready because it's coming. Suffering is a part of this life, but it gives us the opportunity to participate in suffering with Jesus, to understand and know the suffering that he went through for us, and while we're doing that, we experience the refining and the sanctifying growth that he brings about through the suffering. Every moment that our friends who are here this morning suffered in their life, every moment was for God's glory. You say, why do you say that? That sounds like like a contradiction. Well, it's true for all of our suffering. How do we know that? Let me remind you of these familiar words in Romans 8. And we know that all things... Your Bible doesn't say some things or just the good things. It says all things. God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. For those that God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. There is that refining and sanctifying work of growth and grace in our lives that everything in this present life right now counts for something eternally, the very glory and majesty of God in our lives, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters, knowing Jesus That is why he cancels our past, so that we can be empowered and enabled in the present to know him deeply, even through suffering, because all things are meant for our good and for his glory. This all allows us to realize the calling of God for us in the present and to accomplish it for his glory. All of this is meaningful for his glory because Jesus is alive. To talk about this present enablement and empowerment, I'm going to invite one of my friends, Brent, to the platform. Brent, if you would come, please. And Brent's going to tell his story at this time. And he's going to share the 
incredible work of grace that God's done in him. Let's just welcome Brent as he comes, please. So being present in the resurrection, the power of that resurrection, I had to first get past the 12 years that I spent in prison. That's not such an easy thing to do because that's a lot of weight that you carry around. But if I was really going to believe the word for what it said, then I was going to have to just give it to him and walk forward as if nothing had happened. I said, well, I guess I'm going to do that. And it was a struggle at first. Met my wife, Maria. We had a son, Jorge. Working jobs. Doing what we thought was right. And then all of a sudden, lost a job. Filed bankruptcy. We were homeless. Not really by our own hands so much as it was just difficult to pay bills and raise a family. I didn't know what I was going to do, except to say that I looked at my wife, and I was pretty angry at God at the time. And then he reminded me about what he had done for me. I couldn't quite imagine the future outside of everything that I knew about his love and his grace. I looked at my wife, and I said, you know what? I'm not going to work for anybody anymore. I'm going to work for me. look of terror on her face when when I told her that I wasn't going to work a job. I held a CDL class B for many years and I literally cold called places and there was a place that said, hey, we don't want employees, we want an independent contractor. And I said, well, I don't know what that is, but if it gets means I work for me, then I'm going to do it. And one thing led to another, and this company opened up doors that allowed me to turn the one truck that I drove into six, into 12, and now we're national within five years. We did $2 million in revenue last year. We employed 21 families. Most of those families come from extreme poverty. They come from very messed up backgrounds, and all they needed was an opportunity to live in that resurrection grace that God empowers us in our present to get over that. I trusted him for that. I've been obedient to that grace and he has overwhelmed me time and time again with everything that I can't even imagine. I I didn't want this for myself. I just wanted to be at a place where I could just live and be with a wife, my kids, you know, I think that's what everybody wants, but I got more than that. And I'm now obligated to live in that power, in that present. I've left that all behind me. And I live in that present resurrection power, and it just keeps building stronger and stronger and stronger. It's, I've never truly understood it until I seen how he opens up doors in my present with that resurrection power that cancels the past and empowers us to be in this present. I'm just overwhelmed by that. I'm overwhelmed by the beautiful woman that he had given to me, our wonderful family, and we live in that resurrection present 
every day of the knowledge that none of this had anything to do with anything that I had done. I hadn't done any of this. He had provided the opportunity. He provided the business opportunity. He provided the grace, the love. He provided all of that. I had, none of that was me. All I did most of the time, and my wife will tell you, is I prayed to God that I would be able to hear him when he told me what to do, because I am a bit hard-headed. So, and, and the most wonderful thing about living in the present and being present in the resurrection power that he gives us is that abiding in Christ. It's a relationship. I, I fail miserably some days, but when I go home and I look at my wife and my kids and that I'm not homeless, that he's canceled my past and that I have a future. It's all good. Thank you. Thanks, man. Amen. What a blessing. Thank you, Brent, for sharing. Well, we're to the third and final point, right? I want to talk to you now as we close and before we have our final friend come and, and testify to us that because our past can be canceled in Christ and because the, the present makes sense and is meaningful as he empowers us and enables us to live, it all means that we have a future that has been secured. And that's what Paul makes mention of just briefly at the end of our text in verse number 11. He says, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Because Jesus is alive, because he came back from the dead, we now can experience resurrection after we die. Death is not the end, it's just the beginning of eternity, as we say. And certainly it's, it's not the end. We don't stay in that grave. We will be raised again. 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 55, says this, Where death is your victory? Where death is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And what about 1 Thessalonians chapter 4? Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will ever be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. 
The future of all believers is secure because Jesus is alive today. If he were dead, none of us would have any hope beyond the grave. We, that's all that we would have. Nothing would exist beyond the grave at all. Life would truly come to an absolute screeching halt at death. But that is not true because Jesus is alive and because he secures our future. We look around us today and we see all of the brokenness, we see all the pain, we see all the sorrow, and we experience all of the loss. And we can rejoice this morning that every bit of that, every bit of suffering, every bit of hardship, every bit of trial, everything that tests us beyond everything we could ever imagine is all resolved and reconciled in Jesus because he is alive today and because our future is secure in heaven. Every wrong is going to be made right. Amen? Every wrong is going to be made right. Everything that is broken gets fixed. There is no brokenness in heaven. There is no sorrow in heaven. There is no heartbreak or disappointment or loss in heaven. All of those things get resolved and reconciled because Jesus is alive and heaven will be free from all of those things. Our future truly is secure because Jesus is alive. The more we suffer, the sweeter heaven gets, doesn't it? The more losses we experience in this life of those who go on before us, the sweeter heaven gets. Why? Because we have confidence that we will be there one day, that this life is not all that there is. I want to invite Brian to the platform. Brian, if you would come, please. Brian's going to speak to us as we close our message time on this aspect of why heaven is so sweet and the future so bright. Let's welcome Brian, please. I love you, man. Praise the Lord, my brothers and sisters, this morning. My name is Brian Allen, and my wife and I are members of Central Bible Ministries. And I've been given this great privilege to share my testimony uh, from the subject matter of Jesus securing our future. And what goes perfectly with our future being secure in Jesus is not only living with God, but living with God in heaven where there would be no more pain, no more hurt, no more sorrow. We will have perfect bodies that won't wrinkle anymore. <laughs> and we won't age as well. Heaven is promised as a free gift, as one of the many benefits of salvation, which occurs when we turn our life over to God and receive Jesus Christ in our hearts by faith. God has given us a clear roadmap to heaven. When I laid on that steel bed, surrounded by dirty concrete walls, and dirty concrete floors in a Kent County jail, April 19, 2012. That was the moment I said yes to Jesus and started obeying him with no more hidden agendas. The first steps of my journey to God in the name of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit was my first steps toward heaven. 
My journey up to this point has been unimaginable. At times, it was rough and had me full of fears and tears. Other times, it was smooth. It had me full of courage and smiles. To the world, I am what you would classify as a two-time loser. Why? Because I've been to prison twice. In 2002, I went to prison and served eight and a half years. I was released November 2011. Five months later, five months later, I committed another crime. And according to man, my minimum sentence that I would receive was 25 years. But God in his mercy saw fit to where I only served 10. The reason why I can openly share this with you and not be ashamed of the journey of my journey is because of the security that I have in Jesus. Those 10 years were the best years of my life I've spent as a Christian and I was in prison. I not only gained a more closer, intimate walk with God, but he also gave me unmerited favor by blessing me with a saved, beautiful, and virtuous wife. <laughs> I have 18 and a half years of prison time that I served. I just was released eight months ago. And the security that I have in Jesus, I'm still uncovering. I'm still, I'm, I'm still learning. One passage of scripture that I smile about and it gives me great joy concerning my future is what Jesus told his disciples in John 14. And I'm going to read that. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Even a man like me, with all my flaws, Jesus has prepared a place for. I got pride issues. I still want you. I got anger issues. I still want you. Jesus, I keep messing up and I, I, I just can't get it right. Bring that all to me because I still want you. Live every day like Jesus is coming back that same day. How much better life would be. Live every day like Jesus is coming back that same day. Surrender to Jesus and obey him, and your future is secure. Pray our strength in the Lord. Thank you. I wonder why I even said anything today. <clears throat> Maybe I won't be able to close. Three powerful stories blended in with a scriptural text that addresses the past, the present, and the future. We don't know where everyone is in their journey who's here today, what you're dealing with from your past, what is happening in your present. We do know that you can have a secure future in Christ, and we want to invite you to that today.
We want you to in, just consider where you are with Jesus and what you've decided to do with him. Just to simply ask you a question. Have you truly trusted him by faith in his finished work on the cross to save you from your sins? Maybe you hear that and you say, I don't even know what that means. It's very churchy, isn't it? It is. But I would love the opportunity to talk with you today. Uh, Pastor Stephen will be at our Welcome Center area. I'm just going to hang out down front after the gathering today. And if you'd like to talk with me, if you have questions about Jesus, if you'd like to trust in Jesus for salvation, please come see me before you leave today. For those who are believers, maybe you have been struggling with guilt and shame from your past, and you needed to be reminded today that it's canceled in Jesus. I hope that you'll be encouraged by that. Maybe you're struggling in the present. You're struggling with knowing Christ, seeing and savoring him, uh, of growing through trial and difficulty and allowing that refining, sanctifying work to take place for your good and, and God's glory. Let, let us all be encouraged in that and take growth steps today if that's our need. And maybe, maybe you are wondering about the future. Maybe it's difficult for you right now because there are those waiting for you in the future. They've already passed from this life. Those things can hurt and they can sting. But just know this, all the power that death has ever had and all of the sting that death has ever had is certainly defeated in Christ. You will see those loved ones again. You will be with them and there will be a reunion in heaven like no other because Jesus is alive. Church, he is risen. Let's pray before we worship responsively. Father, we thank you for Jesus and we thank you for the fact that he is alive. We pray now that you would be glorified in how we will respond to the words that we've heard today, that you'll be glorified in how we will apply the truth of Scripture to our own hearts and lives today. May Jesus truly be Lord of our life here in the present. He is worthy and he is the king of all kings. May he reign in our hearts. May his kingdom and reign be known in this world because his people love him, follow him, serve him, and obey him. Help us now as we exalt this one who is king. In the strong and powerful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.